Hey, this is Pastor Bob Stephen, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. Woo! Good morning and welcome to church. <laughs> You're in a good place today. You're in a good place today. You know, <clears throat> we're in a sermon series right now called Jesus Never Said That. Jesus Never Said That. And what, what we're really looking at in the series is some things that we hear in the world, some phrases that on the surface maybe sound kind of true. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. In fact, in week one, we looked at the phrase, follow your heart. How many were here for, for that one? That was, whew, that was a good way to kick this one off. Because we hear that a lot, don't we? Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And what we came to find out is we probably really don't want to follow our heart. What we want to do is follow Jesus, right? That's, the, that's what we learned in week one. And then last week, we looked at the phrase, just do what makes you happy, right? Just do what makes you happy. And what we discovered was that happiness is temporary. It's fleeting. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Jesus has something much better in mind for us called joy. See, because joy is steady. Joy is foundational. Joy won't leave you. In fact, it's the joy of the Lord that we saw that's our strength. It never says the happiness of the Lord is our strength. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is better than happiness. That's what we learned last week. Now, today I want to introduce a, another phrase that certainly Jesus never said. And to be honest, I'm not sure anyone would necessarily think he would have said it, but the reason I'm talking about it today is it's, this can be a mindset that, that we can develop if we're not careful, right? It's, it's certainly something we hear in the world, and if we're not quite sure, we might even think, even though Jesus never said it, we might even still think God might think it. You know, it's, 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 so I want to I kind of get into this for a minute today. And here's the phrase. Three strikes and you're out. Three strikes and you're out. Any baseball fans? I know Axel's a baseball fan. Where's Axel? Yeah, baseball fan. That's actually pretty much normally a baseball term, right? It's saying you get three strikes, and if you don't hit the ball, you're out. You're gone, right? Umpire, strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. But, you know, we hear that same kind of thinking, though, in other parts of our world and society. In fact, in the uh, criminal justice system, for many years they had something called a three-strike rule. It just meant if you had three particular kinds of crimes, you're gone. You're thrown away. They're throwing away the key. You're done. You're out. You're out. Hey, I even know some people that have a three-strike rule in their relationships. Anybody know anyone like that? You do me wrong three times, you mess up three times with me, you're done. You're done. I'm, I'm going to have nothing to do with you. Come on. You're hitting a little close to home on that one. Come on. Now, again, this phrase, you may not have necessarily heard it in the Bible, but how many times does our thinking kind of get into that paradigm where we might even start thinking about other people that way? Oh, they've let me down three times. And then also... I wonder if we sometimes think God thinks that way about us. You know, I've, 
God, I'm just battling this thing. Man, I've messed it up, forget three times, I messed it up 80 times. And we just have this vision of maybe God saying, oh, I'm done. That's, that's enough, Bob. You've just screwed that up too many times. I'm done with you, man. Think about that sometimes. Wow. Aren't you glad? Hear me. Aren't you glad Jesus never said that? Are, are you half as glad as I am about that? Aren't you glad that Jesus never said three strikes and you are out? Let me tell you what Jesus did say hanging on a cross in Luke chapter 23. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus hanging on a cross. In the Old Testament, we're told that God in the book of Lamentations has new mercy every morning. Can you imagine that? New it. Every day a fresh start. That's what he's saying. That's the God speaking to us in the Old Testament, and here's Jesus hanging on a cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, God's love, his mercy, his forgiveness never runs out. Wow. Actually, can we just clap for that for a minute? God's mercy never runs out. His forgiveness, there's not a limited supply. You see, people may give us limited chances, but God always has another chance and another and another and another. Even when we reach a point where we say, I don't know if I'm coming back from this one. Anybody ever been there? I, I don't know, man. This may be the end of the road. I just, I just don't see any way out of this. Guess what? If you're thinking that, God still has another chance for you. God still has it. Because remember that Jesus died to give us those chances. You see, Jesus died to give us those chances. So that we might have chances to grow into his likeness. And to live a life that's pleasing to him. That's the reason he gives us the chances. Because he knows we're flawed people. He knows we need a savior. Right? And he knows and he knew when he went to that cross that we were going to need chances. You know, Jesus had one of his closest disciples and followers. That reached a point in his story. That. He had to be thinking, is this my last and third strike? He had to be thinking that. But here's the thing. When he swung and missed for that third time, Jesus didn't say, you're out. When he swung for that third time, he didn't say, you're out. In fact, God uses his story to show us that he doesn't have a three-strike rule. He didn't have it then. And he doesn't have it now. He didn't have it then, and he doesn't have it now. Our three-strike person that I want to just talk about for a minute is a man called Peter. In fact, I would say there's probably, you know, John would say he was closer to Jesus. John would say that. But I, I don't know that Peter, uh, I don't know if there's anybody that walked with Jesus that was any closer to Jesus than Peter. In fact, Jesus would tell Peter during his earthly ministry, you're the guy. I'm going to build my church 
on you. Not that Peter's more important than Jesus, but he was going to use Peter to help build his church on earth. So this is how close Peter was to Jesus. This is, this, and this is what Jesus thought about Peter. This is what he basically told him was coming. And Peter's three-strike story starts in the book of John, chapter 13. You see, what happens during in that chapter? Peter passionately, passionately tells Jesus, hey, no matter what happens, I'm your guy. No, I'll go, I'll die for you, I'll follow you, I'll do whatever it takes. I am your guy. That's what Peter tells Jesus. Well, let's look what Jesus replied to Peter. In John chapter 13, verse 38, this is what Jesus said to him. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you. And when Jesus says something very truly, pretty much take it to the bank. Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Wow. And then if you continue in the story, sure enough, you get to John chapter 18, and we read about how Peter actually denies Jesus three different times. It's that third denial, though, that Matthew recorded the same story. I actually want to read Matthew's version of the third denial because it's, it's cutting. This is what Matthew recorded about Peter's third denial of Jesus. Then Peter began to curse and to swear in an oath, I don't know that man. Just then, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before a rooster crows, you will say three times that you don't know me. And then Peter went out and wept and cried bitterly. <laughs> three times, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. And here it is, this last time, he's basically cussing this person out. That's what's going down. That's what's happening. I don't know if you can have any more of a vehement denial of Jesus than what Peter just did right here. Wow. But notice what happened once reality hit Peter and that rooster crowed. He was reminded of the words of basically Jesus was saying, look, I know you're now, you seem like you're for me now, but when the heat gets turned up, you're going to deny me. And with that realization... Peter went out and cried. And, oh, it was an ugly cry. Come on, it wasn't just, eh, no. He cried with bitterness. It was an ugly cry. Anybody here have those ugly cries? Who just not coming? Hey, come on. I, I got to imagine Peter was just in anguish. That's the kind of cry he was experiencing. Wow. I wonder how many times we feel like we've come to that point. We've blown it. How, had Peter, how was Peter feeling right then? Have you ever come to that place where you say, I, I can't come back from this, man. I have blown it beyond belief. And you feel hopeless and lost and out of chances. But thank God, thank God, that God never runs out of chances. <laughs> he never runs out of grace. He never runs out of mercy. He never runs out of forgiveness. Yes. Come on. Come on. Thank God that he doesn't run out of those things that we need. You see, the whole reason 
when Jesus was talking to Peter, the whole reason that he was getting ready to go to the cross was actually to give Peter and you and I another chance. That's the reason Jesus was going to the cross. You see, a new chance is just that. It's a fresh start. It's a fresh start. I want to now show you for the rest of the story, the rest of the story, how Jesus gave Peter another chance and what Peter did with that chance. Because I think when we get our next chance, we need to learn how Peter handled his next chance. The very first thing when you get that next chance is to believe, believe in your new chance. Believe that you're actually getting a new chance. That's a little harder than it sounds sometimes. You see, Jesus appeared to Peter and the other disciples on the day of his, this, on the day of his resurrection, he appeared to them. And then eight days later, he appeared a second time. And at this second time, it's recorded in the book of John chapter 20. He tells them, look, believe in me. Believe what I've done. Believe in who I am. Believe what I've just done on the cross for you. That's what Jesus, in essence, tells them when they're gathered for this second visit. Yet I got to wonder, I got to wonder, was Peter, he's seeing the risen Jesus, but I wonder if he's thinking in his, in his mind, I wonder if Jesus remembers the three times I denied him. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder if the three strikes are just too much. You know, it might be like that for us sometimes, right? Now, yeah, Peter had already heard Jesus. In fact, Peter was the one at one point in the New Testament that asked Jesus, well, how many times do I got to forgive my neighbor? And what did Jesus tell him? Seven, basically unlimited, right? Peter kind of had that knowledge back here. But when he denied Jesus three times, I don't think he was thinking about that then, right? But here's, here's the thing. It was still true. It was still true because we can do the same thing. We can know what the Bible says about forgiveness, right? We know what it says. We know it says Jesus forgives us. But I wonder, do we sometimes think, is my sin just too much for the blood of Jesus to cover? Is, it, is, it just, is what I've done just too bad, too disobedient, too whatever words you want? Is it just so bad that there's no way? I know what it says about forgiveness, but do I really believe it? Do I really believe it? Do we somehow think that maybe our sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus? Because that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. If we're saying Jesus' blood wasn't enough to cover my sin, then my sin must be more powerful than his blood. And we know that ain't right. right? We know that ain't right. But sometimes we gotta we gotta get that in here. We gotta we gotta believe that that's true. We gotta believe that that's true. What I want to share with you now is the third time that Jesus appeared. Because this third time, this third time, interesting how we're talking about threes today, huh? Three denials. It's this third time that changed everything for Peter. It's found in John chapter twenty-one, and so here's what was going on. Peter was with some of the other, other disciples out fishing in a boat, and they see this guy standing on a shore. And the guy on the shore is asking them, hey, have y'all caught any fish yet? 
Now, here's the thing. They'd already, Peter and the disciples had already seen Jesus twice, right? And guess what? The guy on the shore was Jesus, but they still didn't recognize him. They still didn't, you know, recognize who Jesus. They'd already seen him twice, resurrected, and yet here he is on the shore calling to him, and they still can't recognize him. You know, sometimes our own unbelief can cause us to miss Jesus when he's standing right in front of us. That's why belief is important. That's why I believe, you know, if, if we're not believing, see, looking for Jesus, he can be right in front of us and we're missing him. And these guys almost missed him. Because remember, Jesus, when he first called Peter and James and John specifically, they were fishermen. And he said, come on out. I'm, I'm, you're done as fishermen. Now I'm going to have you fishing men. Right? You remember when Jesus first called him? He'd already said, your old life of fishing's done. He told him that when he first called him. He first called them, and yet, where does he find them? Fishing. Where he first found them, he finds them again. They'd gone back. It just, the, the scripture says, Peter just went fishing. Like, eh, don't know what else to do. Guess I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before. And sure enough, that's where Jesus finds them, fishing. You know, Here's the thing. There's some things you and I are going to have to put to bed and leave behind. When Jesus calls us, there's some things that we're going to have to put to bed and leave behind and not go back to. Room got quiet. Yeah. We can't go back to living our old way of life because if we do, we're very likely to miss Jesus. There's a possibility we're going to miss him if we're back in the old us. But here's the beauty of God. Even if that happens, we slip up, we, we revert back a little bit, we, you know, there's still a chance. <laughs> there's still a chance because God is a God of chances. And so let me show you what Jesus does with Peter. 21, starting in verse 4. This is right after Peter had... Uh, or well, let me just uh, describe everything. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it, that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him where he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. And it says after that, he literally swam to the shore after Jesus. So you see, even when Peter had gotten off track, Jesus was still calling him back. Jesus was still calling him back, making a way for us to see him and making a way for Peter to see him and to be restored. But Peter had to believe. He had to believe that Jesus was there to do that. You see, Peter just had just witnessed this miracle. They hadn't caught a fish all night. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, throw the net there, and they caught 153. Boom. So Peter knew it was a miracle. But here's the thing. He didn't recognize it was Jesus until his friend John pointed it out. He spoke, hey, that's Jesus. There's power in the spoken word. When Peter heard that's Jesus. That's when he believed. That's when he said, oh, wow, that is Jesus. It took someone else to point it out to him, right? Sometimes we need people in our lives to point things out to us too. Keep that in mind. 
And it's at that moment, I think Peter began to understand, wait a minute, Jesus is here now for the third time. Maybe he isn't done with me. Maybe he still has a plan and a purpose for my life. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for your life too. Okay? Just because you mess up, God has another chance. He has another chance for you. And it was that hope that Peter now saw that literally got him so excited he jumped in the water. He said, okay, i got to get to Jesus right now. I'm excited about this. Peter's that hope that he had. Because I think Peter began to understand, probably at that time, maybe even in that moment, that he didn't deserve a second chance. Peter, it's not that Peter deserved a second chance. And yet Jesus was offering him a second chance because he loved him. He was getting a second chance, not because he deserved it, but because Jesus loved him. You see, Peter had denied Jesus three times, and Jesus didn't say, you're out. That is so powerful. We have to, we have to, we have to believe that Jesus gives us a second chance. We, we have to believe that. The next thing, though, belief is great. But the next thing after belief or after believing is you have to receive it. You actually have to get it in here, right? Believing is one thing. Receiving is something else. And so the second thing to do is to receive your new chance. you got to believe it. Believe that you uh, have it because Jesus said you could have it, right? The next thing to do is receive it, Okay. Well, what does that look like? Let me show you how, what it looked like for Peter. Because the, the thing is, Jesus always has, we've talked about this before, Jesus always has a next for you. He has a next for me. Okay? He always has a next. And we have to believe that. We have to believe that there is a next. And so this is how Jesus helped Peter take it from just belief and believing to actually receiving it. It's found in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And this is the interaction that Jesus had with Peter. It says, when they had finished eating, so Jesus had fed him breakfast, by the way. They had a fish fry right there on the beach. Really cool stuff. So when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was kind of hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Here's the thing. There's a difference between believing something and receiving something. Believing says, yeah, I believe that's possible. That's what belief is. I, it says, yeah, I, I think that could happen. It's here. Receiving says, wait, this is actually happening. Okay, this, this is, I'm actually experiencing this. This is where it goes from what we might say is head knowledge to heart knowledge. Receiving is when you have the heart knowledge 
Not, not just, oh, that's a nice concept. No, this is actually something I'm experiencing. And that's what was getting ready to happen with Peter here. That's exactly what Jesus was doing with Peter. You know, Jesus is a very personal Savior. I hope you know that. He knows every thought you have, and he's concerned with it. He knows every hair on your head. Jesus is a very, is a very personal Savior, and he was a personal Savior to Peter. He knew exactly what Peter was thinking. And he also knew Peter's heart. So three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And remember how many times had Peter denied Jesus? Three. Jesus was intentionally asking Peter three times so that with each declaration of Peter's love, he was wiping away a denial. He was wiping away denial. With every time he was asking Peter, do you love me? Oh, one denial, gone. Do you love me? Two denials, gone. Do you love me? All three of your denials are done. Wow. We serve an intentional Savior. He knows you. He knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows what you need. Wow. Because remember, when Jesus was asking Peter, and Peter reminded Jesus of this, do you love me? He told you, you know I love you, Jesus. Jesus, it wasn't a question, right? It wasn't a real question. Jesus knew that Peter loved him, okay? But Peter needed to hear that he loved him. See, there's a power in the spoken word. There's a power. The world in Genesis was created by God speaking. God didn't think the world into existence. He spoke it into existence. And so it was important that Peter heard himself say, yes, I love you, Lord. Yes, I love you, Lord. Yes, I love you, Lord. He was helping Peter receive, not just believe, he was helping Peter receive to get it into his spirit, into his heart. Yes, Jesus isn't done with me. Yes, this is a second chance. Yes, he's not done He's giving me things to do. He's giving me another chance. That power of the spoken word. When you are faced with something, prayer, silent prayer is great, but I'm telling you, there's a power in speaking the word of God to him, to yourself. There is power in speaking God's word. Peter experienced that power right in the presence of Jesus. We need to speak the truth of God. We need to speak the truth of God. And that showed Peter that Jesus was not done with him. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says that there is no condemnation in Christ. So Jesus, when he rose, he wasn't coming to condemn Peter. He was coming to give him another chance. He was coming to give him another chance. You see, Jesus already knew Peter was going to mess up. He told him, you're going to mess up. But that didn't prevent him from giving him the chance again. Let me remind us, that's why Jesus went to the cross, is to give us that chance. That's why he went to the cross for Peter, to give him that chance. Wow. We need to understand and actually receive that chance when we're given it. Because when you believe something, then you receive it. Now you're positioned to do the third thing that Peter did that you and I need to do. 
when we get a chance, when we get another chance, and that is to seize that chance, to grab hold of it. Actually, you can come. To grab hold of it and actually do something with it, right? It's great to believe something. It's great, okay, I got it in my spirit. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? This is what the Apostle Paul meant in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, when he wrote, Working together with him, meaning God, we strongly urge you not to receive God's grace in vain by turning away from sound doctrine and his merciful kindness. What's he telling us here? Look, every time you get a chance, it's based on God's forgiveness and his grace, so don't waste it. Don't waste it. When you get a chance, your next chance, do something with it. Do something with it. That's what Peter did. You see, Peter walked away from that experience with Jesus, understanding, all right, he's not done. I have another chance. And Jesus had given him some very specific things. In fact, he told him the same thing three different times, right? What? Feed my sheep. That's the directive that Peter had when he walked away from that experience. So he had something to do. But what if Peter just went back to fishing? Eh, uh, that was nice. But nah, I, I'm not going to do nothing with that. I'm just going to go back, throw my nets back over, just go fishing again. Yeah, that was a great word, Lord, thanks. But nah, I'm, I'm just going to go back and do my own thing. Wow. Things would have been a lot different. But Peter didn't do that. Peter seized the opportunity. And it says in the book of Acts, after Peter and the rest received the Holy Spirit, that Peter stood and preached one of the most powerful messages ever recorded in Scripture. He seized his opportunity. You see, you never know what God's going to do with the opportunity and the chance he gives you. When you take a hold of it and do something with it, do what he's asked you to do with it, I'm telling you, miraculous things happen. And on that day, Peter seized the opportunity spoke as he was told to speak, proclaimed the goodness and grace and mercy of God, and it says over 3,000 people came to Christ that day. Wow. But you know what? What if Peter had never stood up and seized that moment? What if he had never preached that message that he was called to preach? Wow. God has things for you to do. God has things for me to do. When we get that next chance, because we do serve a God of first and second and 50th chances, the next chance you get, seize it. Do something with it. Do something with it. That something could be just let God get closer to you and then tell him or tell others about it. Tell others what the chance you've been given has done for your life. Because it's not just about you, it's about telling other people about the good news of Jesus. I've heard it said before, and, and, and I believe this, that God is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the tenth, the hundredth. However many chances you need, God has them available for you. It doesn't matter how rebellious, how sinful you may have been, God is ready to forgive when we truly repent and commit our lives to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you one other reason why I believe it's so important. 
that you and I seize that opportunity, seize that next chance. Because there will come a day when you won't have another chance. When Jesus calls you home, that will be the end of your chances. I don't say that negatively, but I say say that actually quite lovingly, as Jesus would say it as well. Don't waste your chance. Because as long as you have breath, you have a chance. As long as you have breath. Because here's the goal. The goal is when Jesus calls you home, you won't need another chance. See, that's, that's one of the greatest blessings of watching my dad go to be with Jesus this week. I knew he'd accepted Christ. I knew that he knew where he was going. He knew that he knew where he was going. He didn't need another chance for that because he already had done it. That's the place we want to be. But it should, hear me, that should motivate us, not not just for our lives. But I want you to think about people in this world. It could be family, friends, whoever. We need to give them the chance to accept Jesus. Because at some point, they will run out of chances. While we're here on earth, our chances literally are unlimited. God will give you as many as you need to come to him, to have a relationship. He'll he'll give you all the chances that you need. Trust me. Trust God. Don't even trust me. (laughs) It's in his word. But there will come a day when those chances will be gone. So I hope we're living with a sense of urgency. And you see, that's what Peter did. Peter lived from that day forward with a purpose to his life. Not that he didn't have a purpose before. I'll say that. He lived with a new purpose because Jesus had given him a very specific thing to do. And you see, when he was preaching on that day of Pentecost, he was feeding the sheep. He was following exactly what Jesus told him to do. And from that day forward, the rest of his life, that's what Peter did. He fed the sheep. He loved people. He told people about Jesus. And he seized the opportunity that was given to him. May we do the same. May we do the same. Will you just pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you don't have a three-strike rule. God, thank you for that. Thank you for being the God of however many chances we need to get things right with you. Thank you for your mercy, God, that is new every morning. And thank you for Jesus who paid the price on that cross to give us a new chance, to give us a new life in you. God, when we get our next chance, will you help us to believe it, to receive it, to seize it and hold on to it, God, and do something with it. In Jesus' mighty name.